Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when the toaster won't connect to the internet. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe have a laugh or two along the way. So our first topic tonight is topics, because we would like you guys to send us more of them. Uh, we yes. have, we've had a ton of really, really great suggestions. They've been the, the majority of what we've focused on in the podcast so far has been suggestions that we've got through submissions at darkmodepodcast.com. We, are, we absolutely love reading them, and we hope to see more. So if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, any advice that you're seeking, go ahead and send those over to submissions at darkmodepodcast.com, or you can just go to darkmodepodcast.com, and you'll find all the links on the site. Yep. And so, that's dark mode, D-R-K mode. I'm sure yeah, you, like, if you see the title, it out by now. <laughs> you know what it is. Just gotta... Yeah, just gotta make it clear. You never know. Someone, someone out there is gonna register darkmodepodcast.com and it's gonna be like mm. a Bitcoin scam or something. That's true. We should <laughs> maybe we, we should, should get buy a, that domain and redirect it. Well, no, we should buy that domain and set up the Bitcoin scam ourselves. Oh, I didn't think about that. That would be a really good idea because then we could just very deftly say, "Oh man, someone's uh, someone's taking our." D taking our stuff and doing a bitcoin scan scam but it would actually be us and then we could be like oh man this sucks we really got to get these people to stop uh, yeah. so then like, we'd what wash are we our hands of it? it exactly yeah. like our hands are tied yeah exactly all right so our first our first uh topic for today is the march event psych there is no <laughs> march event <laughs> Yeah, we were kind of planning, given that literally every leaker in the history of the world was saying, ah, you know, this is going to be a March event. The 23rd is going to be a real fun day. And then all of a sudden, last week, exactly nothing happened. Nothing at all. Yep. And everyone in the tech community sort of collectively went, huh, well, that's weird. That's a little unexpected. And so now it looks like apparently... April is actually when we're going to get an event. Who would have thought? Uh, we don't know when in April. It seems like uh, some people were thinking the first half of April, which I suppose would make sense uh, in relation to the the previous three events that we had when we had September, October, November. Those were all early mid, like early teens of the month. Mm -hmm. So I think that would make sense for this. But the the other thing that I was thinking about that I was talking to Noah about earlier was what if we have another trifecta, April event, May event, June event? Hmm? That would definitely be interesting. I mean, there's no, we don't necessarily have a reason to believe that it will happen. There's no rumors. Let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. There's no rumors about a May event at this point, but yeah. there, like uh, Luke and I were saying earlier uh, in our conversation, there are a lot of products that Apple has been holding on to. The iPad Pro, the iPad Mini with the Pro design, maybe a regular iPad, uh, the MacBook Pro, the iMac, the AirTags, maybe those... Uh, uh, plastic built uh, AirPods Max that I would be interested in checking out. There's like all this stuff that Apple. Okay, the last one's maybe a bit more of a of a conjecture, but there's a lot of stuff that like we know Apple's going to release, and it seems like they keep pushing it off. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't be crazy because they're not going to cram it all into one event or even two events. It wouldn't be crazy to have, uh, or it wouldn't be any crazier to have uh, three events like that than it would be. You know, given everything that's happened, three events in the fall, you know, no March event. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's yeah, et cetera. like the thing is, when we thought it was going to be a March event, then the general sort of assumption is because when you look at Apple stuff, uh, Noah and I have been following Apple. What was the first WWDC we watched? I know we watched 2013 together. Did we watch 2012? I think that was before <sighs> we were remember. friends. 
Yeah, it might have been. I think going, I think pretty much everything from like the end of 2012 on, we've seen every single keynote, every single event that Apple has done. Uh, at first as a hobby, now it's more of a, you know, my job type of thing, <laughs> which I love doing. You know, as jobs go, stuff that I was doing anyway, hell yeah, sign me up. But yeah. um, so a lot of, a lot of, on my end, I'm not a leaker, obviously. I don't have any deep connections, but a lot of what I do is, uh, analyze, that's why they call them analysts, and mm. use precedent to figure out what Apple is likely to do because Apple is extremely, extremely precedent-based. I mean, WWDC has been in June of every year, every single year for I don't even know how many years. M- many more than 10. So that's mm-hmm. like a that's a given. iPhone events being in the fall didn't used to be a thing in the early days, but it's been a thing for 10 years, so that's pretty much a, a dead set, right? Mm-hmm. So Apple has these very rigid structures that they follow. And when we first thought, oh, there's going to be a March event, then it was like, okay, this is Apple going back to normal because that's what they do. They hold March events sometimes when they need to, then they hold a June event, and then they hold a September event for the iPhone, and then sometimes they'll hold a fall event for Mac stuff. Now, the reason that we're seeing things be different than that now is, well, for one, obviously because of the pandemic. It's actually a little bit easier for Apple to set up events because they can film it and it's just a video. Uh, and they don't have to like set up a whole thing and invite people and figure out a guest list and all that sort of th- thing. Um, so that's a little bit easier for them to manage. But also... We're doing the Apple Silicon transition during this whole time anyway. So that means that there's a lot more things that Apple wants events to talk about. Because if you think about it, before Apple Silicon, right? Noah, here's a question I'm posing to you. And I'm, all, I'm also posing to the chat. All right. When was the last Mac keynote? The last time that Apple talked about a Mac at a keynote? Like go back in time and list them. The last time they talked about a Mac at the keynote, okay, mm-hmm. they for the I guess the 2016 one they they must have done that in the keynote, right? Yes, they did do that. Okay, so I know 2016. I remember the Retinas, the original Retinas. So that was like what 2013, 2012. Yep, 2012. The original Retinas. I don't know. I'm sure that there was something in in between there, but since 2016. I don't know. Have I mean you obviously know the answer. Have you I talked do, yeah. about it? <laughs> so they so so I'll go from 2016. 2016 was uh the big one in terms of the design because that was the new MacBook Pro, so that was the October back to the Mac event. That was the only time in 2016 that the Mac got any screen time. Before that in 2015 was a March event actually, and that was the 12-inch MacBook, the Force Touch trackpad in the uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro, and that was the only thing in 2015. So it's basically been a one Mac event per year, and it's not ever. It's it's rarely Mac exclusive. In 2017, they dedicated a little bit of WWDC time to the iMac Pro, if you'll recall. Mm. In 2018, there was the fall event where the iPad Pro was launched. And they also updated the MacBook Air. That was when they brought over the butterfly keyboard and the new design generation to the MacBook Air. And they also put better processors in the Mac Mini. And then in 2019, there was a little bit of time dedicated to the Mac Pro at WWDC. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 almost every year, except for maybe... No, 2014 was the 5K iMac, and they did have event time. So there's always a Mac in an event in any given year. But it's usually just like a one-time thing. They usually don't do... Actually, now I'm now in my head, I can't help it. I'm going back in time. 2014 was the 5K iMac. 2013 was the Trash Can Mac Pro at WWDC. 2012 was actually the most recent time where there were multiple Mac events. There was the Retina MacBook Pro in June at WWDC. And then there was a fall event with the Slim Edge iMac, which is still... The current design. How about that? So yeah, it's 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 been nine years since we've had two events that contained a Mac in the same year. But that's not going to fly here. 
because almost everything that is going to contain Apple Silicon is is worthy of an event in Apple's eyes. We're not in the refresh years. Like if you look at the MacBook Pro, there hasn't been an event for the MacBook Pro since 2016 because even the even the 16-inch MacBook Pro, that was a pretty big upgrade. They did not have an event for that. But Apple Silicon is is a different animal. You know what I mean? Like look at the M1 MacBook Pro. Obviously that was significant because it was the first, but Apart from that that chip, there's nothing else new about the computer. It's a copy paste from the previous design. They just put Apple Silicon in it. So anything, anything with the redesign, more cores, you better believe Apple wants to talk about it. Absolutely, they want to talk about it. So that's why I think we're going to have more events than usual, similar to what we had in the second half of 2020. Those three in a row... That does not happen. That is not something that Apple's done before. So my hypothesis is April, May, June. It's interesting. I mean, they definitely have a lot to talk about, and they seem to like to not do too much in one event. They usually, at least these past events that they've filmed, they seem to do, you know, I don't know, two or three products uh, and they obviously have much more than that to launch. But I just have to say, I'm very impressed and a little bit scared by how much knowledge of like yeah. Apple events you have I know. going on in there. <laughs> it kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit too, just thinking back in time. And I mean, I I didn't even realize until I started saying those words a couple of minutes ago that it was basically one mac event per year and i'm sure that there's there's probably something that has slipped my mind i'm sure i'll read the comment section when this video is up on youtube and someone will say you stupid idiot you forgot about this mac that launched at an event in 20 whatever and i'm gonna be like well that's deeply embarrassing for me but at the very least all the main ones all the important macs have gotten events and so I think it's pretty I think it's pretty clear that we're we're going to be in for more than just your your standard fair Apple year. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's but it's also important to I I don't think that's going to continue past this year because once we're in the refresh territory then I don't see a need to have all the events unless you're 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 like really radically changing something. Um, like for example, right. Once, once we get M one X, that's going to be worthy, worthy of an event. Cause that's a whole new thing, but M two X probably not going to need an event for that. Same with an M two. You know what I mean? Then, then you start to get into more like website refresh territory. Right. Cause I, I know, um, when Apple announced the Apple Silicon switch, they talked about a two year, uh, Ref, uh, two-year uh, plan to to upgrade everything to Apple Silicon. So I think during those two yeah. years, they have a lot of stuff that they have to do. And then after those two years, when we're getting into the refreshes, it's going to be a lot more, uh, you know, press releases, website updates, not as big of a deal. And then, you know, give it some more time. And when it's time for the next batch of refreshes, then, you know, we'll get some more events and that'll be exciting. Yeah, I would be very interested to see what all happens. Because, you know, Noah and I love covering the events ever since. I mean, really, 2020 was the first time we were able to to watch them together with you guys. Just because we were <laughs> we had so much free time in the pandemic. Like, in the fall of last year, it was like, oh, good, an Apple event. That'll be something to do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So, it's... It, it, and it's something that I want to continue to do. I want to try to do every single Apple event, cover it live, because I yeah, I, mean, I just enjoy it so much. Anyways. Exactly right. We might as well. I mean, I remember yeah. in 2019, I was at my job during WWDC, so I couldn't stream it. But I was like, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a little bit of a longer lunch break today, and I sat in like the lunchroom with my computer and my AirPods and I watched WWDC and I was sitting there all giddy and I was like, Oh boy, this is so cool. And just sitting next to like a vending machine 
Yeah. Uh, so definitely more fun to to stream those with you guys for sure. Way more fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do have to point out, someone has asked if we are from the future. I can neither confirm nor deny that allegation. I can express confusion at why it was it was was brought up in the first place, I suppose. Well, I think with the stream delay, mm. we are a few seconds in the future relative to what oh. they're seeing. Does that That's a very good point. I don't think that's what they true. were talking about, but it's also true. So we'll go with that. And also, if you're listening to the, well, no, if you're listening to the podcast, then we're probably significantly in the past because it's yeah. already happened. So I guess we are in both the future, the present, and the past all at once. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, back to back to our, our topic here. One of the big things that this upcoming event is most likely going to feature is the iPad Pro 2021. This is one that I think is is interesting. And we could perhaps impart some advice because both Noah and I have the 2018 iPad Pro. Now, tell me, Noah, do you find your 2018 iPad Pro to be outdated or slow? Not at all. Yeah, I mean, that basically says it all. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, it, the, that's the thing. The 2018 iPad Pro is so good. It's ridiculously good. So it begs the question, how do you top that? How do you convince people to upgrade to a new iPad Pro? Noah, what would it take for you? <laughs> well, okay, when I bought the the 2018 iPad Pro, before like before the event, I I'm trying to remember because I know I was like talking to you about it and I said if I said like if Apple does this, this and this, I think it was if Apple, if they do the the uh, the bigger screen, they get rid of the home button and they do the bigger screen with the face ID and if they put USB-C on it, I think those were my my main, I don't know if there's anything else, but those were my main uh, yeah, that's what uh, stipulations. Main and I said, if Apple does all that, then I will buy it. And sure enough, in 2018, Apple did do that and I stuck to my word and I bought it and I and I have my 2018 iPad Pro and I uh, I like it a lot and then I mean since then the only thing that's really happened is the 2020 iPad Pro with the LiDAR and uh, I don't remember the A12Z not 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 nothing. too much nothing yeah don't forget nothing. Noah you fool the ultra wide camera hello oh oh boy that's so useful yeah, the camera on the iPad. I love taking pictures and video with my iPad. Yeah, it's great because it obstructs your entire view when you take the photo <laughs> because there's nothing like capturing a moment by missing the moment because there's a tablet in front of your face blocking it. That's, that's the way it's to be done. Actually, Noah, do you remember back when the iPad 2 came out because that was when they added the camera and then all of the, uh, like at any school event, there was always a crowd of parents and they were using the iPad 2 and you just mm -hmm. see these big shiny metal tablets reflecting the stage lights like, oh, wow, I have the new <laughs> iPad 2. I never yeah. got that. It was always, it was always, um, it always made me chuckle because I was like, why? why? Why would you, first of all, why are you bringing an iPad to a school event? I'm going to take a wild guess and say, and you'll probably know that you'll probably know if what I'm saying is, is actually true or not. But I think the logic might've been, if it's a big, a big iPad with a big screen, it's gotta be a better camera than your phone. I feel like that might've had something to do with the logic. Not that it's necessarily Gee. true. Is it true? No, the, I think the camera, the camera on the iPad two was, I think pulled directly from the iPhone four or maybe from the iPod Touch fourth generation. But I don't okay. know if that was pulled from the iPhone 4 as well. Either way, it was, it was, if anything, it was the same as an iPhone, but it certainly was not an upgrade. Right. But I could definitely see that logic. Like, that, that's some Karen logic right there, if, we, <laughs> if you really think about it. There are, definitely, there are definitely people that I would see making that logical leap 
in their head and saying, well, you know, if it's bigger, then that means that I'll, I'll be able to see better, see mm. what, what's on the camera better. Maybe if they didn't think the camera was better, they just thought, oh, well, my iPhone screen is really little, so I can't see if I'm pointing it at the right stuff. But with the iPad, mm. it's all big and then I can. Maybe it was that instead. True. Either way, uh, don't bring an iPad to a school event. But then again, I, I don't know why you would be going to a school event right now. They shouldn't be having those. That's dangerous. True. Yeah, someone in the chat said, the old iPad 2 camera was like 0.7 megapixels. I'm actually curious now. I think it was, I think it was 5. I think it was 5 megapixels. I think the front-facing camera was like 0.7. That yeah, that would make sense. But that would be rear... hilarious if they filmed it with the front facing camera. With the that? screen facing the the stage. Oh no, we were wrong. The iPad 2 had two cameras. The front facing or the, the rear facing camera, the one that they were using for school performances, was mm. 0.7 megapixels. Oh. They were correct about that. Oh. The front facing camera, you guessed it, 0.3. Aha, uh-huh. that's fun. 0.3 megapixel VGA front-facing camera. Oof. That's some real, that's some real, yeah, someone pointed out 5 megapixels was for the iPad 3, which was like that's, one year later. <laughs> that's a good upgrade right there. Yeah, I mean, what is that? How many, what's the multiple on that? I can't do that kind of math in my head. Either way, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good upgrade. That's a lot of megapixels. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and meanwhile we still have 720p webcams on our, <laughs> on, our on our on our fancy uh, MacBooks. Yeah, yeah. For for a thousand minimum, you get 720p. That's quality right there. I would I would bet by the way that the reason that hasn't been upgraded is at this point Apple's like, all right, all of these designs are old. The, the higher resolution cameras are going to be on whatever is a new design it's going to have higher resolution cameras. I think that's a guarantee at this point. Uh, now, back to the iPad Pro for a second, because I just want to talk about, uh, I think Noah's right. And I think, like, with your wish list for 2018, there were a lot of things that were very clearly in need of improving. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and keep in mind that your list didn't even say, like, I want ridiculously powerful processors. That was just, like, icing on the cake true the a12x was insane for 2018 and i mean the whole the whole problem that apple has right now is that the ipad pro as it is or the 2018 one that you can buy used for a lot less is so gosh darn good that i don't know what they would have to do i mean obviously i'm going to buy it to review it but i i really don't think that that this iPad Pro is going to convince anyone who has a 2018 to upgrade to it. I just don't think that's going to happen. Because realistically, what we're looking at is mini-LED display, which I'm very interested about in. Interested in, yeah. But that'll only be on the 12.9-inch. So if you're 11-inch and you want to buy another 11-inch, that's not going to matter to you. A14X, which is basically going to be an M1. Uh, So it's going to be ludicrously powered powerful for a tablet like no one has there's no way that you're going to need that much power in a tablet so again not really not really useful like yeah sure it's going to be faster than the a12x and they're going to have some fun vaguely numbered graph that just says like goodness on the x-axis and like speed on the y-axis and they're going to say look at that it's 2.4 times gooder and we're going to be like well what but the problem is the A12X, the A12Z are so fast already. I don't care. I don't need more speed in an iPad. So I don't really, if, if it weren't for the fact that I'm making a YouTube video on it, they have a, it's a tall order. They're going to have to really do something crazy. Or I suspect they're just targeting people who just haven't bought this new generation yet. That's probably what's happening. Yeah, I mean... Anyone who doesn't have an iPad or who has the older ones with the home buttons, uh, I guess, could be convinced. There's also the iPad Air the, uh, that, that is very, very similar to the iPad Pro. So, you know, I think Apple's creating even a little bit more of a challenge for themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like, my iPad Pro is 
plenty fast. I don't think I've ever been able to like get it to chug. Like it'll, not that I'm like doing anything crazy on it. And that's kind of the thing. I guess it depends on how you use your iPad, but if I'm using it for like as a companion device, you know, media consumption, uh, basically stuff like that, basic like productivity, you're not gonna, you're not gonna uh, push it hard enough for the, uh, for the processor to really matter. I don't know what would, I, I, I honestly, I can't think of a feature that Apple could add that would convince me to upgrade. The only thing that would really convince me is if the iPad eventually becomes slow or the battery mm -hmm. eventually becomes bad. And then I feel like I might as well, you know, in a couple years from now, if I'm still using my iPad and I figure I might as well get another one, but yeah. I don't, I just can't think of like adding another, you know, add another uh, USB-C port. That would be, that would be nice. I uh, want that. I really hope that they do a dual because, oh, you know what I just realized? What's that would that? be very interesting. So I've seen people use like, you know, those, those, those dongles that you can get the USB-C dongles that aren't really a dongle. It's like the hub that sits mm -hmm. flush with the computer. Yeah. I've seen some people use those on the iPad before. Um, which is actually a pretty good idea if you think about it. Yeah. However, if by some miracle Apple decides to put two Thunderbolt ports on this new iPad, if they use the same spacing as the MacBook, then you could use those like juicy hubs, the super beefy boys that take up two ports and get more bandwidth, and you could plug that into your iPad. How sick would that be? That would be interesting. I almost wonder, I wonder if they would do that because then I feel like the ports, you wouldn't have a port that's centered with the display. You'd have like the Ooh, two yeah. of them that like relative, like, you know, relative together, they're centered, but yeah. not one. I almost wonder if it would be better if they had one on each side, because like sometimes I'll be using mm -hmm. my iPad and depending on where the charger is, I have to like, turn it upside i have to like flip the ipad upside down so that i can plug the charger and like if you had one on each side and you could you could sort of like you know how the macs work i feel like that that could be kind of that's nice. an interesting idea uh and in fact that's i don't know if you've noticed because you don't you have the normal ipad keyboard right not the smart one uh it's not the magic keyboard it's the that's what i meant original or is it one, smart yeah. but not magic i i don't remember which yes, branding think, they use I, th I think so i think that's the smart i have the magic one because i'm cooler and it has a charging port on it which is on the opposite side of where the ipads is for that exact right. reason so that is pretty convenient uh clearly apple acknowledged it because they made that very conscious design choice they were like well people want to charge on both sides um, but then again, then again, I wouldn't necessarily count on it because you look at the MacBook Pro and Air, the base one, the M1 Pro and Air, they have two ports on one side. True. Oh, geez. My camera's throwing up a, oh dear, yep, I'm gone. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no. My, my camera has overheated. Oh. Can you still hear me? I hear you, but you've been consumed by the void. All right, well, I'm now speaking to you from within the void. And if you are listening to this podcast audio-wise, then you've undoubtedly not, not even noticed a single difference. But if you're watching along with us, then um, what you're looking at here is just a massive void. This has never happened to me before. Uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff in this void, I got to say. Oh, my gosh. It's Johnny Ive. He's here in the void. It's so minimal that oh. he's here. He's got his space dust. He's rubbing it on complex geometries over here. This is crazy. I, so that's where he went after, uh, after Apple then. Yeah, he just went to the void here. That's pretty crazy. Oh, my gosh. No way. It's air power. <laughs> it's, it's here. It's real. Air power, come here. Come speak to us, air power. It's disappearing. It's fading off into the distance. Oh, oh no. no, this is tragic. Wow. This is a very interesting void, but I think unless I see anything interesting, I'll keep you guys posted on that. Uh, our next topic that, that was, was supposed, not supposed, proposed is the word that I meant to say, 
were these these outrageous and very funny Intel ads. Mm-hmm. So I made a video on those two days ago. So if you if you followed the channel, then you've probably seen that video. Uh, so you know basically my thoughts on it. But I am curious, Noah, what what you make of those? I know you watched uh, at least some of those ads. What what was your take? Yeah, I did. I did watch the ads. These are the new Intel ads uh, with Justin Long that are. Uh, and Justin Long was the uh, I'm a Mac guy. I feel like I feel like everyone watching this podcast knows that or listening to this podcast knows that. But um, but these are uh, you know sort of a they, they uh, Intel took our classic Mac guy. Uh, he really turned to the dark side on this one, uh, much like Luke did just a minute ago. Different I'm in kind the of void. Dark side. Different kind of dark side. But um, but yes, yeah, so these ads are from Intel, and they're basically about why you should get a PC instead of a Mac. I guess it's kind of funny. So they're, they're, these ads are from Intel, but they don't really talk about like Intel as much or the the chips. They're really more about like the devices and like the oh it's a touch screen or a two-in-one and and the colors like oh there's more colors on the pcs i guess it almost seems like intel i guess they're sort of doing it on behalf of all of the pc makers because i guess when the pcs get sold intel processors get sold it's just i don't know it's kind of funny to call them intel commercials because they obviously are but intel's not really the focus of the commercials you know what i mean yeah, that's that's the thing that's really off-putting about them is they're not they're not advertising Intel and the way that they bring up Intel is so cringy. Like I don't know if you saw the one uh, the the one that's choices where he has like a table covered in various different PCs where he walks up and he goes, "Oh wow, these are all PCs. Oh yeah, look Intel. Huh? How about that? Yeah. It's it's so forced." One of the things I said in my in my video, it's like it it, it looks like it was written by a child. Like the dialogue is so bland and he's like, oh, wow, that unlocked with my face. That's so cool. Like, really? This is an ad by the world's largest chip maker. And and your lines are like, huh, how about that? And cool. And oh, neat. Like, that's it. That's all you have. And they don't even, as you said, they don't even talk about Intel. Uh, Now, one thing I do want to say is a lot of people in the chat here are, are talking about Justin like he's some sort of a traitor like okay here's the deal I know I know Noah you said that as like a goof um but do you I don't even know how to how to respond to this like obviously Justin Long wasn't like this guy who's pals with Steve Jobs and he was like oh man I really love being a Mac and that's just you know that's what I want to do with my life it wasn't it wasn't philanthropic his work in those commercials. Justin Long was a uh, was a pretty big star in the 2000s and he was in a lot of movies and Apple was like, "All right, this guy's big right now. We're going to pay him. We'll do an ad campaign." And of course, jo- uh, John Hodgman, I can't speak tonight. I'm in the void uh metaphorically and physically. Yeah. Um uh, John Oh my gosh, I did it again. John Hodgman <laughs> Good grief. Who, by the way, is also a podcaster. So we're basically colleagues. Uh-huh, so if you yeah. think about it, uh, as the PC, it's not like he was an act- actually like a PC fan. He was in the Apple commercials. So it's like, you know, they're actors. They're, they're, they're getting that bag. They're doing their thing. It's, it's not their fault. It's, it's just absolutely hilarious to me that, <laughs> that Intel isn't even advertising their products. They don't, they don't talk about anything substantive. All they say is like, oh, man, the design on the Mac is old. And it's like, yeah, it is. It's from 2016. Everyone knows that. All of their criticisms, as I said in my video, are five years old. They're like, hey, you need a dongle. Oh, you, you got a silly little touch bar. It doesn't even do anything. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know. It's been that way for a while now. That has nothing to do with Apple Silicon in the slightest. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, they're not really comparisons between the chips. And the reason is because I don't think Intel would like that comparison. Because I know yeah. they've tried to do, they've tried to do their benchmarks. And 
I know they like cherry pick some like oh oh they were like they're like oh the Intel one like exports a PDF 2.4 times faster like oh gosh it takes five seconds instead of seven seconds to export whatever I don't know the math is wrong but like I don't know they 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 cherry pick the this to the uh, the um, benchmarks to uh, have something to say but the reason why the ads aren't focused on the processors is because Intel would not like that comparison. And I think Intel is also kind of lucky or maybe kind of strategic to put these ads out now in this like sort of weird limbo period where we have products with Apple Silicon, but we don't have refreshes yet because once the refreshes come out, I think maybe some of their concerns or some of the points that they bring up uh, will be resolved or, you know, there would be a different discussion to have at that point. I think when they take the the old Mac design and yeah, it has a new chip, but they're not talking about the chip. They're talking about like the, you know, the physical aspect of the computer and it's an old design and they, they got these ads out before, uh, before the refreshes. So, you know, good for Yeah, them. that's a really good point, Noah. I think the timing is less than coincidental here. I think basically Intel knows because like the thing is, Intel and Apple have a business relationship, which means that Intel knows more about what Apple is planning than we do, realistically, right? Because Apple is buying CPUs from Intel right now, right? True. You know, the 13-inch the, the, the MacBook Pro, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, all the iMacs, the Mac Pro, there's still a Mac Mini with Intel. Intel is still filling orders for Apple right now. And because Apple is doing this transition, Intel knows when those orders will no longer be filled, which means that Intel is more aware of the timeline than we are, which is kind of funny to think about. But like, that's probably why they have these ads right now. It's not a coincidence because right now, admittedly, like from our perspective, Apple Silicon is, you know, the hot new thing. But from Intel's perspective, Apple Silicon is at its weakest point right now, if you think about it. Because right. Intel is acutely aware that this is the first Apple Silicon, that it's the lowest end in the old designs with nothing changed. They know that. They know that there's stuff that's on its way, and they're like, okay, we got to land as many sales as we can before these new Apple Silicon Macs come out. Because let's also not forget that, you know, Intel... As much as they like to talk about the the versatility and like the different choices, a lot of the reason that people go PC is price point, and that's where Apple is killing them right now. And AMD, let's be fair, is on that performance per watt, performance per dollar. Intel's getting absolutely nuked right now, and they know it. So that's why they're doing these ads. Uh, but as you say, Noah, they're not really advertising Intel; they're advertising PCs, and that was a really interesting thing that. Rene Ritchie pointed out in his video talking about these ads is all of the stuff that they talk about in these Intel ads is not Intel specific in the same way that their attacks of Apple Silicon aren't related to Apple Silicon. Their promotion of Intel isn't related to Intel. You can get AMD PCs that do all of that. So they're attacking something that doesn't matter and promoting something that they aren't doing. It's a complete waste of time. I guess. I mean, if their goal is to make Apple products seem less desirable and to make PCs seem more desirable and hopefully Intel gets, you know, some sort of an increase that like AMD and the other ones, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what the goal is there, but I guess, I guess they kind of see it as like Apple you know, because, I mean, you, you made a good point about how Apple is, uh, you know, still buying processors from Intel because they still have quite a few Intel products on the market. But over the next year and a half, theoretically, that's going to stop happening. And so I guess Intel's kind of done with Apple at this point. And if they, I guess if they can make Apple look bad or if they can try to convince people that, uh, you know, to not buy an Apple product and they go buy a PC and hopefully it has an Intel processor in it and Intel makes some money. I guess that's their goal. But again, like they're not they're not talking about the their actual processors because I don't think they want to have that comparison because it doesn't doesn't look good for them. 
Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Uh, I also want to address a, a lot of people in the chat, even immediately after my camera went off, are, are, are informing me that my camera's <laughs> off as if I'm not aware of it. <laughs> Which is an interesting trend that I've noticed in the live streams is whenever something happens, I immediately and constantly get reminded of it. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I'm assuming that it's because people pop in and they like missed that particular part. But it is very amusing, you know, when my camera goes off and literally four minutes later, people are like, oh, my God, your camera's off. <laughs> uh, but while I'm in the void, actually, I'm going to throw this over to Noah, because this is a topic about which I think you are quite knowledgeable, mm. which was uh, sent to us by James. He wants to know what the best way to get started with app development for iOS is. Yeah, that's a great question. And for those of you who don't uh, know me, perhaps, I've been programming for about nine years now, I guess, which is kind of a lot. But I start, I mean, I started in, uh, is that right? I started in uh, like summer of 2012. Summer of 2021 is just around the corner, so. Started on know. YouTube or started programming? I started programming in the summer of 2012. I started my YouTube channel in January 2013. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, real pro, I mean, I did some like drag and drop stuff before, but like actually I started with Java was my first language, but uh, so yeah, I've been programming for a while. Um, I've done a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different things and I've done some app development. It's not the biggest thing uh, that I work on, but I have built some apps and I learned Swift. I learned uh, Dart, which is used with Flutter and I'll, and I'll definitely talk about that uh, in a minute here. Um, but basically, so it's a great question. Uh, the question is the best way to get started with app development on iOS. I think uh, the, first, the first question, you know, where it sort of branches is, do you know how to code, right? Because when you learn a language and you can pick whatever language you want as your first one, you could do Python, you could do Java, JavaScript, whatever you're gonna do uh, is your first language. But once you've learned a programming language, it's very easy to pick up additional programming languages because you already know the concepts, you know the underpinnings. And I see that Luke uh, is back from the void. I've emerged from the void. Ha ha ha! That's how we do Welcome it. Welcome back. I back. wasn't sure if I was ever going to see you again. Yeah, that was probably, I thought that that was it for me. That was the last time I would ever appear. But hey, I'm back. I don't mean to interrupt, though, with my emergence no, from the void. Okay. Please continue. No worries. Yeah, so once you have, once you've learned a language, your first language, you understand the concepts behind it. You know what an if statement is, you know what a for loop is, you know what a class is, a method, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you're learning another language, you're sort of just learning another way of, you know, writing things, another way of phrasing things, sort of, right? So, you know, you similar, I think there's, it's really interesting that there's, and this is a whole other topic about parallels between like languages and programming languages, but, um, like, you know, Luke, I mean, you, you know, we've taken foreign language classes and when you're learning a second language, you're, you're, you, you don't have to learn, uh, like what words mean and like what grammar is and like why you put words in a certain order. You just have to learn what the words are, what the grammar is in that language and, and, you know, how to, how to form sentences and, and things like that. Right. So you're, you're not starting from zero. Once you've learned a language, you can learn, you can learn other languages. Right. Um, and so the question uh, is, first of all, do you know how to code or not? So if you don't know how to code and you want to get started doing app development, you could start, you could start, uh, you know, you could learn Swift um, as your first language and you could play around with that a little bit. Or you could start with, you know, something a little bit more um, traditional, I guess, like Python. Python would be my vote for, for the best uh, first language just to learn the the concepts right um, to understand how programming works and then once you once you have that knowledge base established you can learn uh, how to code apps and so for me personally the way that I learn and I know a lot of languages like I've worked with a lot of languages and it's not like if I say I know ten languages it's really not that impressive because there's so much overlap between them um, but really uh, how, how so 
That's I as I'm a complete programming noob, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. In the same way that Noah doesn't take apart Max, I don't take apart code. Yes, uh, you really tried. You, you, I, to Noah's credit, you're a great teacher. You tried your absolute best to like teach me some coding basics, but my ADHD kicked in big time, <laughs> and I was like, I can't take it anymore. It's just I, I can't do it. So when you say overlap, like how so? Um. So like when you when you have uh, it's I'm I'm trying to think of a way to uh, like 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 a very broad way to explain it but basically basically the idea is that you have um, you know every language has you know similar constructs involved so like for example a variable you write x equals five right you have a variable called x and it has a value of five and you can you know you can do different things with this with this variable. You can give it a new value. You can access the value it has, whatever, right? Pretty much any language, I think probably any language you can think of is gonna have variables in it. And they're gonna look similar, right? When you're making a variable, it has a name and it has a value. That's what a variable is. There's only so many ways that you can, that you can, uh, you know, express that in code. You know, there's different things, you know, you have, you have your uh, var, let, const, all these different, you know, different languages, different keywords that you're gonna use to create the variables. But the concept of a variable is the same and there's only so many ways that you're gonna write, you know, there's only so many ways that it makes sense to write something like that. So you have variables, if statements, for loops, you know, functions, classes, and then you can, you can go on from there. But like the underpinning the concepts uh, are, are very similar and different languages have different specific features that you're going to want to learn. And okay. That's interesting. You learn the foundation and then you make your, yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a, a very good comment, right? You learn the foundation, right? If you know how to, you know, you know how to cook, I'm not a cook, but, um, but if you learn, if you learn the basics, if you know how to, you know, chop up ingredients and you know how to, you know, get a, get some stuff going in a pot and, and uh, you know, beat your eggs. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But like, if you know all these <laughs> basics and you have a new recipe, uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna combine these things in a different way. But it's it's the same sort of underpinning. So that's, that's a pretty good way to think about it. I think someone just totally called me out for cluelessly staring at the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, also someone else. Uh, Michael asked. I I don't even know what <laughs> what polymorphism and recursion are. I'm assuming by your laugh that it's something that I won't get. So if you want to give me like a two-minute crash course just to embarrass me, that you know, go for it. Well, okay, Have polymorphism. Polymorphism is uh, is would would would. There, there's a lot of. It sounds like a fancy word. It's really it's really not that fancy. But but there's a lot of uh, background that you have to to know. Object-oriented programming stuff like that. But you know recursion, right? You know what a factorial is, right? Yeah. So factorial, n factorial is defined as n times n minus one factorial, right? You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so I do remember that. <laughs> all the recursion is, is it's just a function that's defined in terms of itself, basically. So the, the factorial function can be defined in terms of itself, right? n factorial is n times n minus one factorial. You know the Fibonacci numbers, right? The nth Fibonacci number is the sum of the previous two Fibonacci numbers. Again, mm-hmm. it's recursion. And then of course you have a base case because you can't you can't keep defining something in terms of itself forever. So at some point you have to say, okay, the first two numbers of the sequence are going to be one, or you say, okay, zero factorial is equal to one because it's defined like that. But I mean, you know what recursion is, right? So you've you've seen it in math class vaguely. It's been it's a okay, while. but you, okay, you, <laughs> it's been a that's while. fine. But you you know your factorial, you know your Fibonacci. Those are the two classic examples. And again, this is such a, a great point, right? Is recursion is this uh, this fundamental idea? that you have and, and you know and and it goes along with the function right you're defining a function and the way that you define a function looks different in different languages and there's a lot of different applications for recursion right you have you know the two examples i gave there's the classic uh, sierpinski's triangle which is uh, a triangle that's made up of three smaller triangles and then inside of that it's made up of three smaller triangles and it sort of goes in like this uh, like this pretty cool shape but there's like lots of applications but the point is right is that it's recur it's um you know recursion is just this general idea and once you understand what recursion is and you understand how it works if you're going to a new application of recursion or you're going to a new language you already have this this knowledge uh, you already have this understanding and you don't have to like relearn what recursion is you just you just have to learn you know the new syntax of the language or you know how are you going to apply it to the specific topic that you're that you're working with 
right. Wow, that was a that was a very see. This is this is what Noah does best. These explanations, very very detailed, but also digestible explanations. It's also funny because whenever you work on a video, you always talk. You always are like asking me how I speak on the video because like don't you have that where, where you like can't get through a sentence when you're filming we've talked about this in the past right yeah 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 which i find really funny because you just spouted that all off the cuff and it was very like completely <laughs> followable and very digestible and yet when you're filming a video i've seen you film a video sometimes where <laughs> you like do the same sentence 85 times <laughs> yeah i think i i don't know i guess the difference is like this is stuff that i really know very well and i guess the there's videos that i that i do maybe i don't uh i haven't been studying like whatever i did like the m1 uh related videos yeah. like i haven't been studying that for a very long time because you know they're new and even even point. mac hardware in general like i you know i follow it but i'm not super into it something like you know programming i you know i i do it a lot so i'm, I'm used no to i it. just mean in terms of like when you're filming a video for your channel it's it's funny because in conversation you're like you go a mile a minute and yeah. in fact everyone in the chat was like was was like wow what the heck this is crazy someone <laughs> had like a mind-blowing emoji <laughs> um <laughs> Someone said Noah is in his bag now. I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly. Sounds like a good thing. Sounds like a good thing. Uh, we have here's this is so confusing. All caps. <laughs> oh man, we don't we don't want the head is hurting now. <laughs> uh oh. All right, we gotta be we gotta be careful. We don't want to. We don't want. I think it was good. It was good. Everyone, you know, you come to a podcast for a little bit of goofing around with the lads, but maybe you learn something. Like you le you know, you learn about fun triangles and recursion. That's always fun. You know, that that's true. That's advice that I couldn't give. I could tell you which MacBook to buy, but I couldn't tell you about recursion. So, <laughs> you know, we'd like, to, we'd like to keep it interesting here on dark mode. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Here's I want another... to finish answering this question. Oh, oh you yeah. Had, was it another comment? Oh, I just wanted to say, this person says, I think Fibonacci was a great dude. <laughs> so, there you go. There you have it, folks. Fibonacci, great guy. Yeah, classic, classic. Uh, mathematician. Yes, I want to finish. I, I got on such a such a. Uh, I got so sidetracked uh, with this. But the question that I that I lost sight of almost immediately. The original question was about <laughs> doing app development uh, for iOS. How do you get get started with that? Right. Um, so my initial thing was, do you know how to code or not? If you if you've never programmed before, I think you might be best off learning a language like Python so that you can understand the basics and you're not because when you're doing app development, you have to learn. You know, coding, you have to learn coding itself, but you also have to learn this this platform, right? Like Apple has, you know, all of these um like the like the like the UI components that it gives you and the way and the way that you interact with different services, uh, you know, like the push notifications and and uh, and scheduling things like whatever. There's there's all this stuff. So like learning app like uh, you know, making apps for Apple is sort of like a second thing. So I would say probably start with a language like you know Python or Java to learn the basics of coding, and then you got to learn you know that the Apple stuff is sort of like a second step. The way that I learn a new language or a new framework, you know, like if I were to learn iOS app development, I personally uh, pick a project that I'm interested in because that gives me the motivation to power through even when I get stuck. But I pick a project that I'm interested in and I just start working on it. And every time I get stuck on something. I'll, you know, I'll usually just look it up or I'll try to figure it out myself. Um, I think if you're newer to coding, you're going to get stuck more often and it's going to be a little bit harder for you to pick up from there. So there's so many great resources uh, like websites and YouTube videos. I have, I don't even know what videos are on my channel that are any good these days, but, uh, but I, I have some sort of coding videos, but um, so many resources online, so many free resources uh, to learn. But like, honestly, if you have the passion that you want to do it and you're not just doing it like for the money, you're doing it because you want to learn uh, how to code and you want to get good at it. Um, there's so many great resources to help you out, but you just have to be prepared to, you know, scratch your head and, and, uh, and, you know, not, you don't understand why something's going wrong and, and you got to debug it. You got to, figure out what's going on, eliminate, you know, what, what's not the problem. So you can figure out what is the problem. And I've spent hours and hours on bugs. You know, I've been programming for a long time and, and it, 
it happens to everyone that you spend a lot of time on uh, on these issues. But if you have the passion and you you want to get through it, you definitely can. So learn the basics of coding, use some online resources, pick an idea that you're interested in, start simple, and then you can get a bit more advanced. And you know, just work on it. Make you know, think of an idea that you want to do. Think of the minimum viable product, right? Don't add all the fancy bells and whistles yet. What's the most basic version of the thing that I can make? Not the most useful, not the flashiest, the most basic version. And, um, and you know, start there and, and you, can, you can build up from there and you'll learn a lot. You'll get experience that'll make future apps uh, easier to, to develop and, and, and that's what I'd say. And one other thing that I'll add before I uh, yield my time back is you could also look into, I personally am a huge fan of the Flutter framework. And if you haven't heard of it, um, it's this uh, framework, uh, it's an open source framework that's made by Google, um, but it allows you to build apps for iOS and Android and Mac OS desktop and Windows desktop and Linux desktop and the web. So it's this one framework that lets you build for all of these platforms. It's honestly, uh, it's honestly pretty crazy, but I've built a few apps uh, with it myself and it's really nice. It uses this language called Dart that's also made by Google. And I really like uh, I really like Dart as a language. It's a really nice language, and Flutter is a super nice framework. It has a lot of uh, you know cool stuff built in for you to work with. It's super easy to to pick up and learn. And when you make the app, it'll run on on iPhones and Android, and it'll run on the web too. So you don't have to develop two separate apps. You can do you know one app that works on both. So. Another alternative, if you want to learn iOS uh, app development, you could look into Flutter. I'm a huge fan of it. That's pretty crazy to be able to do all of that at once. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like with Apple Silicon, how you can, in Xcode, you're now pushing apps to Mac, as well as iPad, as well as iPhone, mm -hmm. all at once. But that's like on a whole other level too. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a lot of the same idea and and actually if anyone if anyone's listening or watching and you're you're programmer kind of people um swift ui and uh flutter are very similar it's the same like declarative ui where it's not like the old interface builder where you drag and drop uh the stuff that you want and you set up that was like super uh i really didn't like that at all but it's, it's this really nice uh this really nice you know you 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 describe your ui in code, which is great for me because I'm not a designer at all. I don't know the first thing about you know making uh, things look nice, but the way that that, that these things work, um, they sort of take care of that for you. And um, and I'd say Flutter is just a more uh, mature version of Swift UI, and, and it works on Android too. But but there's definitely a lot of parallels uh, with the multi-platform stuff, and it's really cool. Yeah, and speaking of parallels, I mean your advice there in terms of picking something that you want to do not picking uh like oh this is going to make me money mm -hmm. sort of a thing that that's advice that that has a definite parallel in youtube um a lot of people ask me how i made a youtube channel and you know oh that must have taken so much work but it, th the whole reason that i was able to do it and really i think if you ask any decently successful YouTuber, how they were able to build it. It's because they're doing something that they just enjoy doing. So the, the first three years of my YouTube channel, I didn't even have more than like a thousand subscribers. It took me a year to get a hundred subs. And if I were doing that to make money, I would have been like, ah, oh, man, this sucks. But I wasn't, it was just stuff that I wanted to do. I wanted to learn more about technology and learn more about filmmaking and uploading to YouTube. So it was it was a fun thing to do. And that's a lot of uh, very similar to how you got started programming, Noah. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways, your journey from like, I want to program, therefore I will teach myself how to, and my journey of, I want to YouTube, and therefore I will teach myself how to, are very similar, totally different fields, right. totally different areas of technology. But really the way that we both taught ourselves how to do those things is really really similar like weirdly similar like what 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 how is it that similar <laughs> i guess i guess we actually we actually did give some pretty good advice tonight some pretty some pretty oh wide uh, wide reaching 
uh, or I guess I should say applicable to to many different fields. So uh, this is new territory for us. This is yeah. this is uncharted land. We've never done this before. Uh, I'm 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 so in, I'm in fact it ner- it makes me so nervous that we simply must end the podcast right now. Yeah. I, I I can't. Well, this was much too helpful. Um, yes. My goodness gracious! I got to go back to my void, guys. It's it, it's been nice here, but my void was warm. It was comfortable. I had my air power in it, and I I, I got to go back. So I, might, uh, I, I hope have you to enjoyed. Too. Yeah, come on over to the void. We got air power here. We could charge both our phones on the same thing. It's pretty crazy. Nice. I think you'll like it. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode of Dark Mode. And in fact, I guess as we're signing off, we might as well mention that. Uh, we started started talking about YouTube and how we got started there. We were thinking about doing a full episode where we just talk about, I guess, the I guess the origin story of Luke and Noah, how we got started doing programming and YouTube and YouTube programming and like <laughs> <laughs> like just kind of how we how we got here. It's something that I get a lot of questions about, so I feel like that could be a fun thing. Let uh, let us know. Also, if you do want to hear any advice about building a YouTube channel or learning how to code, shoot us an email at uh, submissions. I almost said suggestions, but that's not right. <laughs> submissions at darkmodepodcast.com. Uh, and we, we hope to hear from you guys. We love reading those emails. It's a, it's a great time. Uh, so definitely, definitely shoot us an email, and we will see you guys on the next episode of Dark Mode. I've been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. Have a good night.